Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we'll be breaking down the Ten Commandments of 2020 Fantasy Football Drafts. I imagine a bunch of you listeners out there have your home drafts coming up, and the goal today, go through some key takeaways after spending the last six months on this season. And to accomplish this, had to get a very special guest on the show, one of the sharper dudes in the industry, staff writer at The Ringer, host of The Ringer Fantasy Football Show, Danny Kelly. Danny, how's it going, man? It's going really well, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this show. It's kind of a fun one. You know, there's more like philosophical ideas that we got to get through. And um, yeah, I'm excited for for hearing your ideas and kind of seeing what you think of mine. Yes, sir, man. And yeah, it's exactly, man. Philosophical. We're getting we're getting philosophical today, man. That's what we're going to do. We've done a positional <laughs> positional breakdowns, values, fades, dynasty rankings, team previews, all that base stuff already. The one missing ingredient has been breaking down, you know, some of these bigger picture storylines, like things that we, you know, yourself and me have been entering fantasy drafts, relying on let's get after it, man. What is your first commandment of 2020 draft season? Okay. So my first commandment I think would be to stick to ADP early in your draft. So like, don't stray too wild in terms of like where you're going with guys in your first three rounds. But then from there on, honestly, swing for the fences. That's kind of my whole idea. Like get your guys. Um, you know, if you're going through either Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, whoever, um, I guess the idea is don't be afraid to kind of like scroll down the rankings a little bit and like pick out your guy, even if it's going to be perceived as a reach in your, in your home league or wherever you're drafting. Um, you know, if you think CM, if you think Antonio Gibson is going to be Christian McCaffrey reborn, like, don't, don't worry about it. Just, just reach a little bit. That's fine. I, now I'm not saying like abandon all idea of value. Um, but I'm saying, you know, go out, get the guys that you think are going to smash. Don't worry too much about like the rankings on ESPN, Yahoo or whatever. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of my first sort of overall commandment is come out of the draft with a team that you like, not like a team full of good values. I feel like every time I've come out of a, of a draft thinking like, Oh, I got good value on everybody, but like, I'm just not really excited about my team. Um, I think those are just not, I mean, it's just, I mean, fantasy football is supposed to be fun. So like, go <laughs> on and get the guys that you like, man, I was falling into that exact trap. Like last year, I thought <laughs> specifically because, you know, you get into these drafts and, you know, round eight, nine comes around and you see someone that you're not in love with, but you're like, oh, the value's there. And then guess what? You, yeah. look, you look back on your team after the draft. You're like, why did I even take this guy? I didn't even want him yeah. there. Yeah, totally. That's the same thing that happens to me all the time in auction drafts too. I'm like, oh, this guy can't be that cheap. Like this is absurd. And then, and then I end up like going for it. And I'm like, I don't even really want, like, there's probably a reason this guy was like falling or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of like my main philosophy is, you know, even if you end up with a lot of the same guys on a lot of your teams, um, get the guys that you really believe in, not the guys that are like technically values wherever they're ending up. So, so yeah, that, that first point you made sticking to ADP early, not getting wild. I feel like we're both talking about letter for net here and look as awesome <laughs> as 2019 was for everyone. I just feel like there's so many just glaring red flags here. You know, lowest win total at 4.5 in the league. They brought in Chris Thompson. People say he's going to get hurt. The guy's been playing 10 games a year and he's got the one offensive coordinator in the league that we know wants to feed him. I mean, are you kind of on the same page as me here? We're like, I just don't want to take Leonard Fournette ahead of some of these top 12 wide receivers that are still going to be on the board when you're taking them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm definitely on that board. I've been fading for it this year. You know, I was a big kind of proponent of him last year, but um, I think you're absolutely right. Like they didn't pick up his 50 year option. He's going into his contract here. It doesn't really feel like they have a long-term plan with him, which I, I guess on one hand could be like, they'll run him into the ground this year, but I tend to think more like 
they'll be interested in kind of seeing what they get from other guys. It might be more of a committee approach. Um, there's not even really a guarantee that he's going to be on the team the whole year. So it's yep. just one of those things where uh, he's not a guy that I'm like taking in that range. His ADP is just too high right now. And, and like you said, there's other guys in that range. If I'm going to take a running back in that range, there's other guys like, <clears throat> I don't know, Chris Carson or, you know, even like a Cam Akers or Don J Swift that I'd probably rather take a, take a, like a risk on than, than having a guy like Fournette who hasn't really shown that he was worth that, that draft capital in the first place. So, yeah. Look, if he falls to round five, fine. I mean, we hate ADPs. We do not hate players, but round three, I am good. All right. So my first commandment I want to get off my chest is I think people need to do a better job considering where the receiver lies in their team's passing games, pecking order, and not just their position. I mean, not every two, not every number two wide receiver is going to be their team's number two pass game option. We have high end, you know, running backs, tight ends. You know, you look at certain situations in the league where we do have two clear cut top wide receivers. I mean, the Falcons, Browns, Lions, Colts a little bit. Rams, Dolphins, Steelers, Seahawks. And I don't think it's any uh, coincidence that we see the number two wide receivers on these teams really having a lot of hidden value. I mean, the whole offseason, you know, Marvin Jones, Preston Williams, you know, Deontay Johnson, uh, you know, even Cooper Cup a little bit. But you see these guys, you know, the pricing discrepancy just doesn't really match what we see target wise. And then the other side of things, you know, when you have someone like maybe a Curtis Samuel in the world where, yeah, he's their number two wide receiver, but, you know, not every team has a running back soaking up 130 plus targets <laughs> per year like McCaffrey. I mean, I just think it's really important to remember where a guy is in the overall passing game, not just their specific position. Yeah, I think that's definitely a really good point. The first thing that I was thinking about, too, when you brought that up is, um, like, tight end position. Like, ideally, you want a tight end to be, like, at least top three, maybe, like, even, like, top two in terms of the pecking order in that passing game. And if you're getting, like, a fourth or fifth option in any team's passing game, it's just, like, that limits the ceiling a lot. And even if they're there, even if they're the tight end one on that team, you know, then – but you just got to kind of worry about all the guys in front of them, how they're going to distribute the football, um, just getting the overall volume, the routes he's going to run, things like that. It's what, it's what makes, you know, most of these, t- <laughs> like most tight ends are after tight end six or seven is like, it's just like this really big plateau of guys that could like break out, but we don't really know. So yeah, that was exactly what I started thinking about too, is the tight end position in that, in that like thought and that mindset. It, it's important to kind of remember how, how high on the pecking order these guys are. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to your original point where, you know, in our later round picks, we should be swinging for the absolute fences. So, you know, give me someone like Noah Fan, where even though, you know, they're in this offense where we've added you, we've added Hamler, I mean, Fan was the first round pick himself. It would not be surprising at all to see him be the number two guy in Denver when it's all said and done, you know, versus, you know, someone like TJ Hawkinson, who is an awesome talent, but I just don't see any scenario where he's going to be anything better than number three option in that passing game. Maybe the talent wins out, but just really keep an eye on that pecking order danny what's your your next commandment all right so my next one is hit your wagon to high scoring offenses or or offenses that you think are going to be really good now it's not like a hard and fast you only can take guys that are in good offenses because obviously if you find a really good value late in the draft a guy that's that's falling for whatever reason um don't be afraid to grab him but i just think overall you're going to feel better week in and week out and and well, number one, you're going to feel better after the draft ends and week in and week out with guys that are on teams with like that higher ceiling. So um, I don't need to be the one to tell you to draft guys on like the Chiefs or the Cowboys, but um, 
I kind of like to target teams I think might be a little bit better and a little bit more explosive, you know, than than people might think. I, you brought up the Broncos. I think that's an interesting idea too. Like maybe the Broncos could be a little bit more high octane, a little bit more like high volume than people think. Um, you know, the 49ers are quietly like a really good, really efficient offense. They're going to score a lot of points. So, you know, targeting that really uncertain kind of passing game uh, right now could, could really pay off. The Buccaneers are going to be a good team. The Falcons, I think are going to be a really good offense. So um, just overall, like, you know, as you're you, there, like, I'm not going to need to tell you to, to pick Julio, but like, go for offenses that have that ceiling. They're going to be in the red zone a lot. They're going to be scoring a lot of points. They're going to give your players, your fantasy team, more chances to score points. And um, generally speaking, it's just like, I I don't like to look at offenses that are going to be running like slow, like really slow offenses that probably aren't going to be scoring a lot of points. Um, I got, so like a good example is like, I did an auction draft the other night and I got, um, Keenan Allen for it was like a it's a dynasty league I got him for 14 bucks in a $250 budget and I was like oh that is a really freaking good value but then I was thinking about it I'm like I don't really know like he's my receiver one on this team and I don't know like I don't really feel that good about this right now like to be honest with you I think he's an amazing player um and he's been obviously he's been a wide receiver one in in the past but you know with Tyra Taylor or if Justin Herbert ends up winning the job you know I just think that offense they're going to be really run oriented they're going to probably want to slow things down, play really good defense, get a good, what could be a really good defense. Um, so just overall, you know, I'm just not super excited about that. That's kind of like how I look about it, look at it. And like, you want to come out of the draft, with like a good afterglow, like a good feeling. And that just, just wasn't there for me. I feel like my biggest, you know, just L I took last draft season was I was, you know, full on OJ Howard hype train, tight end four. <laughs> I was buying him there. I thought everything yeah. was going to come to fruition. You know, Bruce Arians doesn't use his tight ends. He's never had a tight end like OJ Howard. But the big <laughs> takeaway I had from that was, okay, and we, when we had a situation like that, Evans was going top 10, Goffin's going like top 15 or something. Like you just really better be sure that that offense is good enough to enable, you know, more than your two token, uh, you know, high end fantasy performers. I mean, we have that many guys at the top. You just got to take a step back sometime. And that has led me into, you know, moving Mike Evans down a little bit as great as a player mm-hmm. he is. I just have my doubts that they're going to be able to enable two top 10 wide receivers again. I mean, it has me moving Cooper Cup down a little bit because I don't think the 2020 Rams are going to be as good as the 2018, 2019 Rams. You know, not everyone can hit, and we got to take stands on guys at some point in these <laughs> offenses that we don't think are going to be top 10. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right, so my next commandment is that dual-threat players, and I'm talking about rushing QBs and receiving RBs, are, are fantasy football cheat codes. And, you know, I, I think people know this. They prioritize this. We just see it with the players at the top of the rankings as it is. But truly, man, I mean, 65% of QBs that have averaged at least five carries per game have been a top 12 fantasy quarterback since 2010. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's just one of those things where, like, you're getting so much production as a rusher that even when the passing game isn't as good as it should be, like we're just, you only get, you know, 0.04 points for like every passing yard. And when you're getting literally two and a half times that for every rushing yard you're getting, it's just a cheat code. And it's the same thing with receivings. I mean, imagine if every single rush attempt started 10 yards downfield, that's the advantage you're getting in these full point per reception leagues. And I don't think, you know, I I think there's something in the middle. It might've been an article on the ringer actually a, a year or two ago where the idea was that you know points per first downs might actually be a better you know live like way to kind of replicate fantasy football to reflect reality better because right now you know you see a guy 
getting a screen pass and stopping the line of scrimmage. Like, why is that a whole fantasy <laughs> point? It's not even reflecting yeah. uh, what's hard. So, I mean, even though I'm, I'm like lower than I probably should be on guys like James White, Tariq Cohen, you know, players that you wouldn't necessarily be picking first in the game of backyard football if it came down to something like that. Just we need to realize just how valuable a reception and rushing yards for QBs are in today's fantasy football. Would you even would you include these guys are like less common, so it's probably not like a big factor, but like receivers that can also be used as running backs and stuff like Robert Woods comes to mind as like a guy that he's going to get like 15, like 15, 20, maybe jet sweeps a year. Um, They use him a little bit as like a rusher. Um, you know, players that kind of have that hybrid role, does that ever factor into your like rankings or anything like that? I think it helps as a great tiebreaker. I mean, that's why I have Woods totally. over Cup because similar target yep. projection, I'm taking Woods. And yeah, it only really applies, I'd say Robert Woods, Curtis Samuel, and Tyree Kill are the only wide receivers that see enough to factor in there. But hey, man, yeah. I mean, maybe that's like the next evolution of these NFL offenses too. Why not get your uh, playmakers a, a few more design touches per game? Yeah, I mean, I think. When I think about it, I'm wondering what, you know, assuming Ayuk is healthy, what the 49ers will do with a guy like Ayuk. They obviously, Devo Samuel was kind of a hybrid last year. Um, what Washington is going to do with a guy like Antonio Gibson. This might not be the year for Gibson. It might be like next year or whatever, but just something to keep in mind. Like there's a lot more, it feels like a lot more hybrid guys coming into like the mainstream nowadays. And I think that's only going to continue to grow. And so, um, yeah, that's probably something that, you know, you don't have to really think about too much, but I think it's interesting kind of going forward in fantasy football. It seems like more of these players are seeping into the league, and it's always a struggle because we can't always assume rational coaching that these guys are going to be used in the exact manner they should. But a little bit like basketball, I do think we're seeing a little more like positionless football going on. Hopefully, you know, we see these Antonio Gibson's dual threat talents of the world continue to get, you know, their chances as rushers and receiver. All right, Danny, yeah. hit me with your commandment number three. Uh, number three is beware myopia or recency bias. Like nice. just number one, like the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, obviously I think it's not like a secret that the Steelers are going to be a lot better with Ben Roethlisberger out there, but it feels like the ADP of some of these guys, Roethlisberger, Juju, uh, Deontay and, you know, James Washington, even James Connor, all these guys are really, their values are depressed based on what happened last year. And that was largely related to the fact that Ben, Ben Roethlisberger only played one game or two games, whatever it was, it was really early in the season that he got injured. And so all these guys' values, which it was, the Steelers had the worst offense in the NFL last year. And you can kind of look at that. And, and I, the point is just like, look back a little bit further when Ben Roethlisberger was actually under center. Like this is one of the most high volume, high octane passing games. Um, you know, James Conner obviously had a little bit of injury on like bad luck last year. He's going to come back. Hopefully he'll be, be healthy, but he's a great value. I think where he is, um, so all those guys, I think, are really good values. I'm actually going to disagree with you about the Rams. I think the Rams have a chance to be really good this year. I think they're going to have a big bounce back. Now, I'm not necessarily thinking they're going to be like as good as they were 2017, 2018, but um, I do think Goff is going to be a QB1. I think, um, I think their receivers are appropriately probably priced, but I think Goff to me is like the really good value in that area. And then also Cam Akers, um, who, you know, he's a rookie and there's talk of him trying to have to platoon with, with uh, Henderson, but I don't know if he feels like a really good value for me too, because like uh, Sean McVay wants to run the ball, man. Like as much, as much as they pass and they pass a lot, like I think Goff led the NFL last year in pass attempts as much as they pass, like he wants to be a run team. That's like in his DNA. 
that's why like Gurley was such a big part of their offense for a couple of years. I think if they get Cam Akers involved in like the screen game, like Gurley had earlier in his career, um, he could really go off and be like, like a, a league winning type player. So um, I think I'm buying Akers right now. I'm buying Goff as bounce back guys. And so basically my point is like, don't get too caught up in kind of everything fell apart for the Rams last year. And a lot of it was, you know, just their offensive line just was bad. But I think that I think McVeigh will go into the season with a better plan for kind of like reacting to that this year. We saw that in the second half of last year. So um, those are two teams, the, Ram, the Rams and the Steelers. I think also like look at the Lions with with Stafford. You know, Stafford was going off the first half of the season before he you know hurt, hurt his back and was missed for the rest of the season. Um, they're a team I think that you can get value from because I think they will be a good offense, despite kind of all the narratives about how terrible the Lions are. I think that with Stafford understand, I think Daryl Bevel is a good offensive coordinator. Um, same could be said. I think Swift is pretty interesting where he's at right now. Um, DeAndre Swift, although he's kind of got a little mysterious injury happening right now, but I think if he's, if he's healthy, I think he's a good value. Um, a couple other teams whose offenses I think could be better than people are thinking because of like recent happenings, the Panthers, the Broncos, who I brought up, I think the Bengals are really interesting. I think there's a lot of really interesting Bengals, like Auden Tate. Yeah. I know, aren't you a big Auden Tate guy? Hey, I like, like guys that make tough contested catches. Who cares if it yeah. can't separate? <laughs> <laughs> and I think, dude, Burrow is the type of guy who's just going to throw it up for him, honestly. Like, he, Burrow, everything we've heard about Burrow in the last like month of training camp is that he's just balls of steel and he's going to be really, really good. Um, they obviously are going to have issues protecting him, I think, but I don't know, man. I'm just like, I'm kind of interested in buying Bengals because I think that he could be really good as a rookie. I think guys like John Ross, um, obviously Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, you know, there's just like, they have a chance to be a really good offense or at least a lot better than we think. And so that could be a little bit of value there. So those are, that's kind of like my, my overall point is like, just don't get too stuck on what happened last year or like our parts of last year. Um, think about like the overall big picture. Yeah, I think it's more important than ever not having preseason. Now, like, we're only going off of these training camp videos and coach speak. And totally. pre- preseason was already fluky enough if you're just looking at it from, like, production and performance. But, you know, having the first team reps was always really crucial uh, for us fantasy minds out there. It's a good point about the Rams. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if I am wrong <laughs> because as, quote, unquote, bad as that offense was last year, I mean, they were 12th in scoring. I think it was more just they weren't quite the same powerhouse. And, you, and in that, yeah. you know, end of the season stretch that has turned every one in the industry and the Higby truthers apparently I think, <laughs> I think Jared Goff was like the QB five in fantasy points among that stretch so yeah. you know there's enough volume it'll make it work but I think the really good uh you know point from that entire commandment is just you know try to make sure especially now without these you know first team usage let coach speak if you're gonna trust it make sure it's meeting historical tendencies like that's why I'm in on James Conner because when Mike Tomlin comes out and says you know I'm a yeah. featured runner type guy James is better as a featured runner. You look at 2014, 2018, that's all the Steelers use. So I do feel confident in taking Tomlin's word for it. Then we got McVay coming out saying, oh, we have four good running backs we feel good about. Man, McVay has coached 52 games with the Rams, and his <laughs> RB1 has played at least 60% of the time in 48 of those games. Now, maybe, you know, they don't have Gurley, so it's different. Maybe he changes. But, yeah, man, Cam Akers, I feel like, sooner rather than later, is going to be the dude in L.A. Yeah, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> This Henderson injury, I think he has a hamstring right now, Daryl Henderson, and that is, you know, that could definitely hurt his chances of having like a big role early on in the season. And, and you know, honestly, Akers could just run away with the job. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, he's a guy that I'm trying to buy in Dynasty right now a lot. For sure, man. All right, my next commandment. Don't simply assume regression without looking at the potential for more volume. I think we make this mistake a lot. And, you know, uh, Hayden Winks from Roto World, real sharp guy, came out with a cool study looking at the quarterbacks because we've had 18 with a touchdown rate above seven since 2000. And those guys the next year were averaging two more pass attempts per game. So you're getting an extra 30, 40 pass attempts per season. So, yes, you're seeing the touchdown rate decrease for these quarterbacks. We expected to decrease for Lamar Jackson. But it's because you can't be like that good two years in a row. It doesn't mean he's not going to fall off the map in terms of fancy land. And, you know, when you are that good, guess what? The coaches give you more opportunities because of how good you just were. And, uh, you know, this has been the big thing. I am, you know, maybe not president of the A.J. Brown Club, but, you know, I'm definitely a longtime member, and I'm on him as a top 10 wide receiver in 2020. And I understand he's not going to, you know, he's not going to break the PFF database for most yards after catch per reception again. He's probably not going to average 12 and a half yards per target again. But this guy didn't even play 50% of the offensive snaps in a game until October. And we're, yeah, and we're just sitting here, you know, oh, man. Like he's gonna get more than 80 targets. The Titans' game plan isn't gonna quite as well. Just don't yell, "Hey, oh, regression!" without assuming more volume. It infuriates sure. me, man. Yeah, yeah. I actually have on the Ringers Fantasy Football Draft Guide. I have AJ Brown as one of my eight guys this year, and it's because, like, exactly what you said. You know, they're not gonna be able. I don't think they're gonna be able to do the thing where they run Derrick Henry like 40 times in a game and have. Tannehill like not throw the ball you know they're gonna need to throw the ball and yeah Tannehill and that offense probably gonna regress a little bit in terms of their efficiency like he's not gonna have nine and a half yards per attempt or whatever like he had over uh, the second half last season but I do think he perfectly fits their philosophy It's, it's just like you know DK Metcalf like what they ask him to do he's perfect for you know catch a slant and get yards after the catch go deep you know whatever and and like I just think there's definitely the chance that people are kind of like assuming too much that he's not going to get like 120 targets. I mean, imagine what he could do with that. Like imagine like the upside. So I'm all in. I I love AJ Brown. I just think he's an awesome player too. And, And, you know, it's just kind of fun to have guys like that on your team. One of my highest owned wide receivers in best ball this year. I mean, look, I understand you got your big five wide receivers, depending on how you feel about Hopkins, maybe your big four. But after that, you know, we just have questions for all the guys, you know, even your Chris Goblins of the world that were also that good last year. I mean, changing quarterback. There's just a lot of outlying issues. Yeah, a lot of variables, man, a lot of questions. So, you know, if I am going to take a risk on the guy, let's make it some just absolute beast like A.J. Brown. And everyone out there, if you do (laughs) want to play a little best ball, underdog fantasy, code PFF, go get you into a million dollars. And, hey, if you win it, if you win the whole thing with A.J. Brown, remember who told you to go there. (laughs) Flip him a chip or two. Exactly, man. All right, (laughs) Danny, hit me with your next uh, commandment. All right, so – I got the next one I got is don't be afraid of uncertain depth chart hierarchy. So I guess people aren't generally like afraid of these things, but I, um, I think you hear people say like, I'm trying to, I'm just going to like avoid Washington's backfield. I'm going to avoid Denver or uh, Detroit's backfield or whatever. Um, and you know, all the, all the research and studies, you know, JJ Zacharyson's done a bunch of this on, on where breakout players come from is a lot of the times it's in these uncertain depth charts, like either at receiver or running back, where going into the year, it's not exactly clear who's going to handle the, the majority of the volume and who's going to get like all that volume. And I guess it's, it's a little bit scary to do this early in the draft, clearly, and I get that, but like in the middle and the late rounds, like 
don't worry about it. Like if you, if you think that one of these guys in Washington, whether it's Antonio Gibson, Peterson or Bryce love is going to be the guy, like, don't worry about like reaching a little bit and drafting him. Um, the Patriots are also one of those teams. It's like, this looks like a, like a hellscape of a backfield in terms of like, who's going to get the most carries. But if you, if you really believe in Damian Harris and right now he's the cheapest, like go for it, you know? Um, so that's kind of like the idea is like, you know, late in the draft, if you're looking for a, a good breakout potential type guy, it generally comes from uncertain depth charts, uncertain hierarchies in terms of who's going to get the volume. So don't be too afraid of what looks like a mess because it could, you know, in a few weeks, it could have like more clarity on kind of how that looks. Um, you might miss on the guy, but I mean, honestly, a lot of late round picks miss. So like, don't worry too much about it. And like, that's usually why their ADP has is as low as usually, it is in the yeah. first place. And I mean, that's why this whole offseason, man, the Giants and Texans receivers to me have been prime targets because none of these mm-hmm. guys have had an ADP really within the top 30 the entire time. Will Fuller's starting to creep up there finally. But it's one of these yeah. situations where, you know, if we, if we can assume health at least a little bit with these guys, like there's no way Deshaun Watson's going to play 16 games and not have a single wide receiver finish in the top 30. So all those guys' range of outcomes, if things go really well, they could legit finish as a wide receiver one. If they have the talent, they can do that. And they're being priced right at their floor, man. I feel like it goes back to your first point. Be safe in the early rounds, but hey, in the later rounds, <laughs> shoot for the damn stars. Yeah, I love the, I love the Giants example too. That's a really great point. Like all those guys, whether it's Shepard, Tate, or Slayton, they're all priced like right around the same area. And, you know, you could end up having one of these guys have 100 targets, 120 targets or whatever, and like totally way outplay their ADP. So, um, yeah, I think, I guess the, the, the bottom line is like, don't be, don't be turned off by like a messy depth chart. 100%, man. All right, my next commandment. I want everyone out there to target the four-ish, three-down handcuff RBs and drafts of all shapes and sizes. And you mentioned before, but uh, JJ, Mr. Late Round QB, incredibly sharp guy, been awesome for the industry. He brought up a good point how you don't want to actively target your own fancy RBs handcuff. I mean, if you have Zeke on the squad, mm. you should draft Latavius Murray over Tony Pollard because there's not going to be a scenario where both Zeke and Pollard ball out. But if you have Zeke and Latavius, I mean, that could happen. I agree with him, but I'm saying, you know, if you can get Latavius and Pollard's there around later, add him too, because there are not 32 like high-end handcuffs in this league. I think there are four. There's Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray, Chase Edmonds, who could have some standalone value, we'll see, and probably Alexander Madison. I mean, you have your Boston Scots of the world and Darrington Evans and maybe some guys that can get there. But to me, those four are the guys where if the starter goes down, they are you know going to be RB1 fantasy, probable three-down role, and you just don't have that across the rest of the league. I mean, it's you know even situations like Carolina where for a while people were wondering if Reggie Bonifant could be that guy, and now Mike Davis is apparently like passing him. I mean, you can't just assume a backup running back would walk into that role. We we fall into this trap midseason all the time. Remember all the Ty Johnson fab stuff from the middle (laughs) of last year? Like it gets messy. So don't don't worry about those complimentary carry on Johnson, Marlon Mack types who even if injuries happen, like they're not going to get that future rollback. Give me the guys where they're not going to give you anything most weeks until they do. And then it's top 12 production. That's got to be especially true. I think this year, you know, with all the um, potential for guys missing games, you know, obviously it's a, it's a factor. If COVID hits a team, then you could have like legitimate missing several guys in in a game and it just could be chaos. So, um, having those guys already like parked on your roster could be like a big advantage for you. So, um, yeah, definitely. I like that one. Um, 
Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. I'm, I'm, I'm right in line with you on that one, I think. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, I, I will say, though, there's like these whispers that Pollard is going to have standalone value, but I don't know if I really buy it quite yet. Man, I was all aboard the slot wide receiver RB2 hybrid role until they drafted CD Lamb, man. It's <laughs> Never just, mind. A, just a little too much there. I don't know. He's got the talent <laughs> to do it, man. I don't know what they're yeah. putting in the food in Memphis to bring out Pollard, Gibson, seriously, and right? Henderson. You just got these yeah. broken tackle beasts everywhere. But, yeah, uh, seriously. yeah, man, you know, quick reminder, not one of our commandments. And I know people preach this every year on draft season, but if your league does not force you to draft a defense or kicker, if you still have those half breeds in your league as it is, I mean, don't do it. Go get this backup running back. We still have weeks until the season starts. As you yeah. said, more chaos than usual. Won't hurt to have a backup on the squad. If all hell breaks loose, Danny, yeah, absolutely. what is your fifth and final commandment? So this one is only half serious but i kind of wanted to talk about it because i think it's funny and it's kind of interesting is uh there, we, we broke out a new segment on the ringer fantasy football show the other day called Antilytics, and it's basically like all the things that don't are, are like not actually sticky and like don't actually matter but we they actually do matter when you're making decisions so like best shape of my life guy um you know, whether it's like training camp highlight, like we were talking about before the show, like Bryce Love, just like there's this one clip of him running half speed and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy looks like he's running in sand. Um, so like, I think my, my, my commandment is analytics do matter. And my biggest one is that dunking, if you can dunk, you're going to be a stud in the NFL. And Henry Ruggs is like the poster child for that. Um, that dude is just like insanely athletic and there's some really cool like highlight videos of him dunking and I think that matters and I think that he's going to be um, a big time player this year because he can dunk. <laughs> I love it man. I do think <laughs> there is something to like looking at these variables. I'll just show you like who are the athletic just marbles out there on the field? And to me, like broken tackles is one of those. Like you aren't getting fancy points for broken tackles. But, you know, when I look at who the leaders were last year in broken targets, per, broken tackles per touch, and Josh Jacobs is coming in at number one, like even though I'm not going to draft him because of his ability to break tackles, I feel more comfortable taking a risk totally. on the guy because I feel like the natural talent and the ability just to be an alpha is there, as there is with Henry Ruggs. So I'm also on board with you, man. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I, I was mostly I was like half kidding, but um, I absolutely agree with you. Like, you know, there's like all NFL athletes are good. Like they're all good athletes, but there are definitely like levels of, of athlete in the NFL and like really elite athletes are more often good, at, really good at football. Like the best players are usually elite athletes. Um, so or at least at certain skill positions and like running back, like you said, like Josh Jacobs was amazing at, you know, yards after the or yards after contact. Um, I was just looking at DK Metcalf's Instagram and he was doing this, like he was doing these like side lunge or side jumps over, like literally like up to like his pecs, these like hurdles. He was like side jumping them. I'm like, this dude is not, he's not like a normal guy. Like this guy is the, one of the most athletic players in the NFL. Like, I get that he can't turn fast, but like, it just doesn't matter, man. Like he's just going to go get the ball. Um, he's a beast. So 
yeah, I was like half kidding, but uh, I just wanted to like throw that one in there too. <laughs> I like it, man. All right, my fifth and final commandment. Now I'm not going to spend too much time on this one, but I do want your opinion on it because I, I can't really go a show these days without mentioning his name. <laughs> it's draft Chris Herndon, everyone. Yes, Please draft the Jets' potential number one wide receiver, more likely number two or number three receiver. But seriously, p- please do it. I mean, if you have Kelsey, Kittle, or Andrews, fine you probably don't even need a second tight end on your roster but when the guy's going as a tight end 19 we saw him as a rookie you know just put his name up there with a ton of just all pros and future hall of famers in terms of efficiency and then literally from coach adam Gase's mouth he is our starting tight end chris gives us a lot of flexibility he compliments the guy's pass catching ability you know whenever a coach says a guy like can block well enough he doesn't have to take block well enough that he doesn't need to take him off the field like that means something to me and when Gase like hasn't been able to say more than one or two nice things about Le'Veon Bell for like the last two (laughs) years and he goes out of his way to you know really compliment Chris Herndon that does mean something to me so you know again not gonna I'm sure everyone out there has heard me talk about him enough but Danny are you with me on the Chris Herndon train? 100%, 100%. 100%, 100%. I just drafted him as, like, my tight end one on one team recently, and I'm, like, hoping that pans out. You know, you got to get, like, maybe a little bit of insurance, but I think he's, like, one of those guys that absolutely fits the mold of a breakout tight end. Um, you know, he's super athletic. He's going to run a lot of routes, I think, which is obviously really important for the receiver, or for the tight end position in fantasy. Um, the other thing is, like, I was going through and watching some of uh, his snaps, like, a couple weeks back. This guy, he makes some incredible catches. Like, he makes circus catches where he's going up in traffic, twisting and turning and, like, snatched the ball out of the air. Like The Packers like, one. What's that? The Packers one-hander, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. The dude's a baller. I mean, yeah, and so, like, that's the kind of stuff you're like, man, this guy needs more opportunities. Last year was a wash because he was, like, suspended, and then I think he got hurt, and then it just, like, didn't work out for him. They kind of just went with Ryan Griffin instead um they're like sort of just like you know he missed the boat kind of deal but um yeah i think he's a he's got a real chance to like be like a real breakout build on that really strong rookie year um sounds like he has really good chemistry with sam darnold which is important especially in a season like this where they got like for whatever reason the jets are like re rehauling their entire receiving core again you know like after like all after all this like poor sam darnold um and like having that chemistry and that trust, I think will be important. You know, that's kind of one of those like, you know, intangible things, but I do think it will matter, especially in a season where you don't have any preseason games, you don't have many reps, all that stuff. So um, I love Chris Hearn and I think he's, you know, there's a lot of really like late round tight ends that could break out, but he's like at the, like at or near the top of that list for me. Absolutely. And you know, I hope on your Chris Herndon tight end one team, you drafted another tight end. I'm sure you did just to, <laughs> just to help mitigate that risk. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But, um, yeah, another man. sleeper. Yes, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's one of those things where he's just so cheap at this point. Like, why wouldn't you take a flyer on this guy? And why would, you know, Johnny Smith and, you know, Blake Jarwin, any of these tight ends, go ahead and get two or three. Don't be afraid to, you know, cut them once we get more uh, clarity when the season starts. But, yeah, man, yeah. 2020 Chris Herndon, 2019 Darren Waller. You all heard it here first. <laughs> Danny, man, that's going to do it. Everyone follow Danny on Twitter, at Danny B. Kelly. Uh, what do you guys got coming up? What do you guys got going on over at the Ringer? Uh, check out the ringer fantasy football draft guide, which is at the ringer.com. And then also the ringer fantasy football show. It's a new podcast with Danny Heifetz, Craig Horlbeck and I, uh, we kind of, we had been on the NFL, the ringer NFL show feed, and we're now on our own feed. So yeah, go ahead and find that on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, the ringer fantasy football show, check it out. 
Awesome stuff, man. Thank you again for coming on. Can't say enough good things about the guys at The Ringer. You know, all-time favorite website for me will always be Grantland. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, The Ringer obviously is right there uh, next to it. So thank <laughs> you. Ag- thank you again, man. This has been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. That's Danny Kelly. I'm Ian Harditz. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.